Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Geib. All-consuming fire, oh God, you are an all-consuming fire. Set me ablaze, in your presence I'm changed. Oh, keep me in the flame that purifies till only you remain. Set me ablaze, in your presence I'm changed. For I know I was created to be loved and overtaken. Oh, all-consuming fire, you, Lord, are an all-consuming fire. Set me ablaze, in your presence I'm changed. Amen and amen. Kingdom Corner podcast devotees. The great Matt Guybe here with you once again in the month of January, and we're now well past the midpoint. We're racing toward the end. I used to think January and February were the slow time of year, but no longer. Life just seems to march on. And today I have a special treat for you. I'm going to take you into a service that I preached over 20 years ago because I I found the message, seemed a new year to me. I want to talk to you a bit. The new year to me is a time of uh, really, uh, especially January, is a time in the new year of getting ready for the new year still, of what you're going to do, making your plans. At least that is for me. And, And that entails for me getting rid of some old things in my study, in my house, ridding myself of things that no longer serve me, maybe reflecting and keeping things that do. And uh, in so doing, I found a wonderful message from over 20 years ago. I was going to try to rework it a little bit and preach it again, but I think it's just as good the way it is. I'll make one, one minor thought to this message, a correction. I no longer see the sons and daughters of God that are favored by God as sinners. Like, I'm a painter, I'm a railroad worker, I'm a writer. That means I practice those things. I'm not a sinner. I'm a favored son and daughter of God that overcomes in God. Do I fall and make mistakes and commit a sin now and then? Yes, but I'm not a practicing sinner. I'll make that correction. Uh, I think this message is so applicable. The message is called the fire of God, because I think that we all go through fires all our lives, and now we're in a different kind of fire. We've been in a fire for the last two years with COVID-19, the vaccines, and the mandates, and all the uncertainty that's going on. I won't preach any further about that. Uh, when I preached this message, it was right around the time of 911, uh, 9-11, and You know, I'm also thinking this is the year of the Hebrew calendar, the year 5782, and the meanings are interesting. It means to awake, to stir, to light up, to ignite, to illuminate, to make bright. 
And that is what the fire of God will do in our lives, as you see from this message. It not only tries us and purifies us, but it ignites us in, in, and propels us into the trajectory that God has uh, in mind for each of us as we move forward with our lives. Um, one other thing, I want to read a scripture. It was on another teaching on Friday, and a lady read this scripture, and it so applies. She was talking again about the light of God. And this is in Romans 13, and I think it's very applicable to our situation we're in as a nation, as a world today, and as the church especially, and what our response will be. And, and this is in Romans 13, 11 through 14, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in uh, chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision, provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Bless you, my friends. I'm going to take you into that message from over 20 years ago. I think you'll find it still very applicable to today. Be blessed. Fire consuming you and I. Oh, sweet fire, come and burn over me. Anyone ever heard that song? Now, I heard that song this week. Um, I was at my office by myself on Friday, and there's another brother down where I work, and he brings me tapes and things to listen to. And I've heard that song a couple years ago, and that one tape he gave me I was listening to, and I was in the other part of the office, and that song came on. And when I began to hear that song, I just had to stop and go turn it off. Because based on the things that have happened this week, I just couldn't listen to that song in the same way anymore. As I saw a great nation like all of you on television in New York and Washington engulfed in fire, there were indeed fires burning this week across our land. And as I've looked over the months as God began to work on my heart and personally when I, when I get a message it's usually to me first and I began to see different things in my own life I began to see that there were indeed fires burning in my own life and as I looked at the body of Christ and I began to pray about the worldwide body of Christ over the last several months I said Lord there's fires burning and even in this body here today some of the people I've been in contact with and some of the people that are on my heart when I pray, I know you're going through fires. And I jotted down a list and see if you can relate to some of these fires this morning. Fires of financial pressure. Fires of difficult relationships. Some marriages that continue year after year to be difficult and be in disharmony, maybe to the point of where you just throw up your hands and say, Lord, what's the use anymore? Fires of physical affliction and infirmity. Fires of family turmoil. Fires of unexpressed ministry giftings or callings. Fires of unobtained desires you might have in the secular world. Maybe that job that you just never have 
not been able to get. Fires of grieving over lost loved ones, physically and spiritually. Fires of emotional upheaval. Fires of great personal loss. Fires of transition and change. Fires of loneliness. And fires of some people I've seen that just feel like they have no hope anymore. And the list could go on and on, and I'm sure some of you this morning could add to my list. There is indeed a fire burning, and as you can see from my notes there, that you can follow along, and maybe you'll forget some things, but you can take that with you today, and God would bring some of these things back to your heart. The title of my message today is The Fire of God. The Fire of God. Uh, Roman numeral one of your outline is an introduction, and I just want to give some introductory points to you. Letter A, God is a fire. Hebrews 11.29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Deuteronomy 4.24 says that the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. Now, we know that there are many aspects or attributes of God's nature in the Bible. He's a lover. He's a bridegroom. He's a judge. He's a king. But today we're focusing on the aspect of that he's a fire. And I believe today he would want us to experience him in his fire. Letter B, God's fire always precedes his face. God's fire always precedes his face. Well, what do I mean by that? What am I trying to say? Psalm 97.3 says that a fire goes before him. So, beloved, this morning, if you are in a fire, I want you to know that God is coming to your house today. If you're going through the fire of relationship difficulty, financial pressure, loneliness, whatever it might be, God is on the way to visit you. God's fire always precedes his face. Jesus Christ is on the way today, if you're in a fire, to show himself valiantly to you. Do you believe that this morning? Remember in Daniel, the three Hebrew children who wouldn't bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's idol, and they were thrown into the fire. What happened? The men looked in, uh, the king looked in, and there was a fourth one there, the Son of God. I want you to know today that Jesus sees your need. Jesus sees your fire, and he's on the way. And if you came today, I think that point was worth coming out for, don't you? Amen. Point number three, you might not like so much. I know I don't like it when God deals with me. And that, that is every saint of God, every one of us, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, have been called to go through the fire of God or the fires of God. All of us here have to go through fire. Matthew 3.11 says you shall be, when John the Baptist was speaking of Jesus, he said, I can't even latch his sandals. I'm unworthy of that. He's coming after I. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Isaiah 31.9 says, God has chosen to place his fire in Zion. Who's Zion today? We are the church. He's chosen to place his fire in us today. Um... It goes on to say that um, he has chosen to place his furnace in Jerusalem. This is God's heart. 
In fact, in Psalm 104.4, and I believe it's uh, quoted in Hebrews by Paul, says the minister of God, or the ministers of God, are flames of fire. Before we all get out of here, we're going to be towering infernos for God. We're flames of fire. So then we want to ask the question, and we're going to get into the, the, the rest of the outline there, just what is God's intention for these fires that come into our lives, or arenas as I like to call them. What is it that he wants to do? What is his purpose? Right. Have any of you ladies or men, mostly ladies maybe that see it, you bought clothes at the store or maybe draperies and you've seen those little tags that said, will not burn, does not burn. Have any of you bought anything like that? in the store. You know, I felt like over the last two or three years in my life at various times, I felt like, you know, I'm one of those I will not burn and yet I've been burning. You know, I'm burning up, Lord. What's going on? I don't understand. My life is on fire. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to tell me? Well, I believe God has a number of treasures reserved for each of us in these fires that he's desiring for us to appropriate to our lives And they'll be of tremendous value and preciousness if we can just do this. Something, if we allow God to do it, if we grab a hold of it this morning, something can be built in your life that's going to last eternally. So we want to look at some of these treasures. The treasures that God desires to to provide or produce in us through the fire. What are some of these treasures? Letter A I have on the outline and it so applies this week, it so applies, is to create intimacy with him. The treasure of an intimate relationship with Jesus. Nothing like the fires we've seen this week to begin to awaken this country. Any of you hear Billy Graham's message the other day? I felt it was very good. And then my wife was telling me that his daughter was on, on the news, and also I heard from somebody else, his son was on the news, and they were telling the country they had to repent, they have to pray, they have to repent, we have to repent as a nation. And that the news reporters would try to get them off the subject, but they, they wouldn't be swayed. And they said, this country needs to repent. There's nothing like a fire to get this slumbering, lethargic, North American Laodicean church back on its knees, is there? That's what God's intention is, to get us on our knees to repent of sin and to have the most important thing we could have with him, a love relationship. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says it's the greatest commandment. If you read that today, you should love the Lord your God, you probably know this, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Well, I'm not there yet. But I thank God that through these fires, he's hurrying up and encouraging this process. He's getting me on my knees through these fires. Hallelujah. He wants to establish a bride that is going to love him and love no one else. It's going to be madly in love with him. And that's who he's returning for. Nothing like a Holy Ghost fire to begin to do that work. What's the second treasure I have on my outline there? Right. The treasure of a refined and purified character. And there's one of those, 
words, the C word. I don't like to say that sometimes. Sometimes, and man, I know if you've been at this church very long, that Pastor Glenn has gotten together with you, and he's probably done similar that he has done with me. You begin to have that little napkin talk where he lines out for you. First, he begins to talk about, well, brother, what's your, uh, what has God gifted you in? And he begins to talk with you and converse with you. And then he begins to talk about, well, what do you feel God is calling you to do? Because each of us has a calling. Each of us has a ministry. And then the third column is the C word, character. Ouch, ouch. I don't sometimes like that word. You know, you can be called... You can have many giftings, but without character, where is it going to end up? God wants purified character. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. You're going to be tested. Psalm 66.10 says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. He's speaking about the fires of God endeavoring to produce a Christ-likeness in our lives. And that's not an easy process sometimes, is it? The third treasure, the treasure of purified motives. He's not just after what we do. You know, we can come to church and we can look good. You know, we come out here like, and I'm not picking on him, but um, Brother Parker was out here painting the church and you know, we come and clean the church or this brother comes and does this and we all do different things and we all can put on our suits and ties and really look good to each other. But Jesus is interested in the motive, isn't he? He's interested in what's in our heart. He's interested in uh, what we do and why we do it. And I wrote down here, as one Sunday school teacher used to tell me when I was a teenager, God is more concerned with the means of how something is done than the ends. Do you realize that? God is more concerned with the means than the ends of how something is done. An example from Scripture of the publican and the sinner. Remember, the publican was there and he said, you know, I give my tithe, I give alms to the poor, I come to church every Sunday. You know, he looked really good. He looked really religious. And the other man cried out to God and said, oh God, I'm a sinner. You know, we, we all sometimes are like publicans, aren't we? We can look really good. But Jesus knows our heart. You know, I was listening to this this week also to a worship tape that um, Tina gave me, and one on one there was one song was real simple about the, the the men were singing about you know God, you know my heart, you know when I lie, you know the things I say, you know what my heart's really like. He knows you. You can't fool him. You can fool mom, and you can fool dad, and you you can fool some of the people some of the time, and all the people some of the time, but you can't fool God. He knows you. Malachi 3, 2-3 says, Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is a refiner's fire. Like launder soap, he will sit as a refiner, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons and daughters of Levi. That's you and I, brother and sister. We're the priests of God. He's going to purify us. Judgment is coming and it's first going to have to come to the church. He will purge them as gold and silver that they may indeed offer an offer, offering of righteousness to him. Isn't that your heart's desire? To offer an offering of righteousness to him? Hallelujah. Treasure number four. 
I believe on your outline I've written it down this way, the treasure of consumed sin. Hebrews 12.1 says, lay aside every weight and sin. Have you ever had a weight or a sin that's kind of seems like it's attached itself to you? A habit that you just can't break no matter how hard you've tried and you've got down and you've beaten yourself before God and you say, I just can't get rid of this. As Paul said, I do what I do not want to do and what I should be doing I don't do. Has anybody ever been there? I have. But there's nothing like a Holy Ghost fire to rid us of those things. God knows just when to bring it along. And He knows just how to bring that fire to the right temperature to burn that thing away. And He's going to do that. And it's going to be something that's going to be maybe hurtful, but it's going to be that kind of hurt we used to say in the gym that hurts so good. Because there's going to be a cleaning work, a cleansing work. Isaiah 125 says, I will thoroughly purge, and you can put your own name in there, purge Matt, I will take away his dross and remove his impurities. Can somebody shout amen this morning? Is that what God wants to do? Treasure number five. From uh, number five, the treasure of exposing the hypocrite in us. Oh, are there hypocrites here this morning? I know some of the young people are sure easy to, or quick, and I, I'm not putting them down or anything. I can relate to my own daughter, and, and it gets me to my heart sometimes. She'll come and say something to me, and she'll say, Dad, you say this, you profess that, but what did you say over here, or what did you do here? Aren't you being a hypocrite? So God's fire wants to expose the pretending saint or hypocrite or the hypocrite in us. Isaiah 33.14 says, The sinners in Zion... Are there any sinners here today? I know I am sometimes. In my house are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us can dwell within the consuming fire of God? Verse 15 says... Those that walk righteously before the Lord. See, His fire wants to clean you up. His fire wants to expose those hypocritical attitudes and ways in your life. And you don't need to back away from that fire. God is in control, and He's going to clean you up. You believe that? Do you trust Him for that? Number six, I, I wrote it this way, the treasure of a genuine faith where only Christ is glorified. And this one, when I read this scripture and I began to think on it months ago, it just impacted me so much, I couldn't even begin. It's one of those things like when you read through the Word of God, sometimes the Word of God, a certain scripture, will impact your heart so much that it, you couldn't even really put into words the depth of what God is doing in your heart. That the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory of Jesus Christ. In other words, the purpose of the fire of God is to purify your faith and my faith so much so, to bring it to such a place of completeness and maturity, that when somebody sees you or me, they say, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. That, they're just like Jesus. And there's no room left to pat self on the back or glorify in self. But they only want to glorify Jesus. Are we there yet, church? No, but God is going to get us there. 
And now I wrote down, I think in um, cursive writing on your notes, a very important point. Very, very important. We've talked about an introduction to about the fire of God. We've talked about the treasures that God wants to build in our lives. But I want you all to understand that these six treasures or any other treasures, and there are more, that God would want to bring to fruition in your life, it's not just going to automatically happen. It's not just going to happen. Just because you've been through the fire of loneliness or relationship difficulty or financial failure, just because you've been through that or in the midst of it now doesn't mean that you're going to receive that treasure that God desires for you to receive. In other words, this morning you can be burned for nothing. Let me say that again. Just because you are in a fire now or have been through the fire, and you could pick my list this morning, financial difficulty, loneliness, relational difficulty, doesn't mean you're going to receive the treasure that God has for you. There has to be something that you and I do. There has to be an appropriation. You can go through all these arenas that we listed, all these six treasures and even others, and yet there's not been an appropriation or a development of that treasure that God desires to put into your life. Do you hear me this morning? Sometimes I've been through the fire of a, well, I'll just say financial difficulty would be one, maybe for me. And it seems like I've had to go through that fire not just once or twice, but maybe multiple times. You know? And have I learned? Well, I hope I've, I'm learning, but sometimes we don't learn when that fire first comes. We must get or receive something from God. Apostle Paul says, what have you received that has not been given to you? God freely gives to us. Eternal life, baptism of the Holy Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. But this is something, when I'm talking about receiving, that we must, as the Bible says in Revelation, if you want a scripture, buy or purchase from God. Revelation 3.18 says, the Lord was speaking to the Laodicean church and says, I counsel you to buy gold from me, or buy from me gold refined by fire that you might be rich. I counsel you, church, to what? Buy gold from me. We need to buy this gold, buy these uh, treasures, as it were, of intimacy, of purity, of a purified motive, of purified character. There's a buying, that, a purchase that needs to be made. The Lord says, I'm allowing these fires into your life. And sometimes they just come on and the Lord allows it. Sometimes Satan himself brings it. Sometimes we ourselves bring the fire in our own lives. And if you're like me, you stand out there sometimes and pour gas upon it. And you know what? Whatever the fire's origination that, that's in your life this morning, God wants to use it to bring you to a place to buy and appropriate something for you. We're going to talk about the purchase this morning a little bit. Considering the purchase, there is a cost to purchase this gold. And it's real simple for me to say what that cost is. It's just a willingness to say yes to God in the midst of your fire. Easy for me to say that. Those are easy words to say, about eight words there. Just a willingness to say yes to God in the midst of your fire. Easy to say, and, but it's not an easy thing to do. Believe me. 
It has been said of salvation that it's free, but it will cost you everything you have. And that's the way it is with these treasures, with these fires. There was a scripture, there's a scripture in Luke that talks about a man who wanted to go, a king who wanted to go to war with another king in Luke 14. But first he had to count the cost, whether his army was big enough, how much army he had to put into the field. There was another man that wanted to build a tower, and he had to count the cost of whether he had enough to build that tower and what it would take, what resources it would take. And that is all pointing to talking about counting the cost of taking up his cross. And that's what we're talking about this morning. It takes a humbleness and a humility. Uh, number, I believe, letter B of that point. When the fire of God comes upon your life, God's made you this way, you have a choice. You can either go for the gold or just say no and run from that fire. And you know this week it, it just broke my heart when I saw those fires in New York City. You know, people do some crazy things when they're in the midst of a fire. And our brother back there, Doug, could probably tell us a number of stories. But, you know, I saw people jumping out of buildings. It was a sad thing. And spiritually speaking, people do crazy things when they're faced with a fire sometimes. We become like Israel that, that God said, if you'll come after me and seek me with all your heart, I have this rest for you. But the Bible says in Hebrews that they became, the Greek word is apithia, or unpersuadable. They were like a donkey. If you've ever tried to take a donkey down to the river to drink that doesn't want to drink, that's the way they were. And sometimes these fires face us, and I'm like you, I don't want to go through that fire. I say, Lord, don't put me in that fire. I'm going to run from it, just like our brother Jonah did. He had a fire in his life. God wanted him to go speak to the Ninevites, and bring them the word of God. And they were uh, Israel's, one of Israel's arch enemies, and he did not want to go. So he ran away, and we all know what happened to him. So there's fires in your life, and you have a choice. It comes down to whether you're willing or not. Are you willing this morning to endure that fire and go through it? Something we all have to consider. guess the question is, how will you and I respond what will we say when faced with a fire? It's easy sometimes to run away. It's harder sometimes to stay there and endure it. Letter C, the opportunity to buy the gold will not always be there. God's store, house of gold, will not always be open to you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The Bible also says in, in the Old Testament that God's spirit will not always strive with man. Just because you wake up this morning and say, well, Lord, I'm going to buy the treasure of an intimate relationship with you, does not necessarily mean that will be available. We need to respond to God at the time that he's dealing with us. Next point of the outline this is something for all of us to consider when we're going to make that purchase. How many of you, when you make a a considerable purchase, you really study it and think about it. You know, sometimes I haven't. It's really cost me. But really, you should study and think about it. if you're going to purchase a house or a car, anything. You should weigh it out, shouldn't you? And God wants you to weigh out what is the end product going to be. Oh, it's going to be painful to go through that fire. But God has an end purpose for you and I. He has something he's trying to fashion and establish in our lives. 
James chapter 1, when it talks about the fiery trial, talks about there being a completeness and a patience that's going to be built into our lives. And sometimes when we're going through that fire, we just need to act in faith because we really don't feel like it. We really don't understand. But God is asking us to just trust Him in faith. Remember, Brother Moses, there came a point in his life where he was faced with a decision of either going on in Pharaoh's court and maybe being uh, the next Pharaoh or going to be out in the wilderness with his people. He had to make a, a choice. And it says he considered the future reward. He could have considered the temporary reward because that's what his eyes saw, that's what his senses saw but he considered the future heavenly reward. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, Our light affliction is but for a moment, because we look at what? Eternal things, right? We don't look at the temporary. These treasures are priceless beyond measure. And just like an old song out of, I believe, Psalm 19, we used to sing as kids, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much Fine gold. That's what God wants to do. Number five, I want you to know this morning, dear, dear one, if you're in a fire, it's because God loves you. The fires of God are always born out of love. You can read Hebrews 12, 6 to 11 later today, but for a paraphrase of it, it says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, or he corrects or disciplines. And if you don't allow him to do that, it says you're an illegitimate child. And the chastening of the Lord, it says further down in the verse, is not easy and pleasant, but in the end it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We just need to say yes to the Lord. And then number six, or letter F, I guess, the treasure of uh, when the fire comes upon your life, by and by you're going to understand why. It says in Daniel 12.10, speaking of the last day saints, many will be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Can you be wise this morning and understand that in your fires that God has a greater purpose in mind for you? You can't. It doesn't feel like it, does it, sometimes? It's not pleasant. As we are experiencing the fires of God in these last days, we'll realize God has a purpose for them in our lives. It talks about the godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. God's people will realize He's cleaning them up so they can go home with Him. Don't you want to be cleaned up this morning? I do. So we want to look at, as we close this morning, boy... When I preached this out in the woods at home, it took me a lot longer. I hope I'm not going too fast for you. Is it coming across clear? Well, God's uh, quick, quickening the time, which is good, because I was worried about getting this in. What are some common fires? We're going to look at that. And you see, sometimes when I'm going through a fire, and I suppose you guys are like me, I'm thinking... Man, Lord, nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows what it's like. Nobody's been through this fire before. But Brother James and Peter both tell me that, you know, we all go through like fires. Maybe they're, your fire, Victor, is a little different than mine, but they all 
they're all painful and they're all fires and we all have them to go through just so God can get us home to Him to clean us up. Fire number one. Nothing like the fire of a delayed answer in prayer or a seemingly unanswered prayer, is there? Does that ever get to some of you when you prayed and prayed about something and there just doesn't seem to be an answer? Well, in the Bible, in John 11, you can read that later. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit. There is a story of probably Jesus' three best friends on earth, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the fa- Lazarus, the family. And one day, Martha and Mary came to Jesus as he was out ministering around Galilee and said, Master, Master, come quickly. Our brother is sick and he is dying. And Jesus just seemed to go on about his business ministering there. And can you just imagine if they're like you or me? I, I would be out there. I'd be grabbing on to Jesus. I'd be shaking him. Lord, you're our best friend. You're just kind of ignoring this. Our brother, he was your best, one of your best friends. You've spoken with him many times at our house. And you're just going to stay here and minister? He's dying. Please come. Please bring healing. But Jesus walks on and, and he ministers on and finally he ends up there a day or so later. And by then Lazarus has passed away. Oh no, it's too late. He's gone. Have you ever felt like it was too late in a certain situation? Possibly Mary and Martha needed some real Holy Ghost surgery, and that's what Jesus was intending. You see, the delays of God, listen, church, will bring greater glory to God than if He indeed then if He indeed would have been on our timetable. You know, something happens, and we want an answer now, don't we? And yet. Sometimes God just lets it go on to bring Him greater glory and do a greater work in us. Sometimes Jesus will wait till it's over, dead, done with, stinking in the tomb, and then He comes upon the scene and brings life, doesn't He? I remember several years ago sitting in this church after I'd come back from the leadership retreat, God gave me a vision in my mind, and God was doing a lot of different things in my life at that time, and all of a sudden I'm in a worship service and God at that leadership retreat, begins to speak to me that I'm Lazarus, that I'm dead, or I have been dead in a number of ways spiritually. And I said, what does this mean, Lord? And he begins to just deal with me and say, you've been dead too long spiritually. And I come back here, and here I sit in the service, and Brother Mel is ministering, and he begins to minister. And I hadn't told my wife anything, the very same word to my wife. <laughs> that, you know, you've been Lazarus, that you need to step out and God is going to make you alive again. Hallelujah. Another person, and, and some of you that are parents can relate to this, I know that I can. Here comes Jairus in Mark 5, begging and pleading with Jesus, please come to my house, my little girl is, is dying. Again, Jesus just seems to go about his business He even goes over and heals the woman with the hemorrhage of blood. Couldn't you just see him out there begging Jesus? Some of you that have had children that have been really sick before, you could relate to that emotion, couldn't you? Lord, I don't care about the multitudes. I don't care about this woman over here with the hemorrhage of blood. You can come back and heal her tomorrow. But my daughter's dying. 
And it says in the scripture there, in, in that passage, that even before Jesus got there, the servants came out and they said, she's dead. And can you imagine Jesus walks in the door and, and they're all grieving there and he says, she's not dead, she's only asleep. And I imagine they probably, some of them wanted to kick him out or said, what are you, you're crazy. And he said, okay, all you guys, you, you just get out of here. All you ones that are of unbelief, just get out because God is going to do something special here right now. And then, of course, he prayed and she came back to life. The fire of a delayed answer. Any of you in this fire today? Maybe you're waiting on ministry. Maybe you're waiting for your financial situation to change. Maybe there's somebody here waiting for that perfect Adam or Eve to enter their life. The fire of delayed answer. We need to rest on his timing. And we need to be willing to buy that gold, buy that treasure that we need. Another, another common fire, John chapter 13. You can read about it later. I believe it starts with verse 6. Christ came to Peter and Peter asked, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? They were sitting around in a service. And he says, yes, I'm going to wash your feet. And here's the punchline for this one. You do not realize or understand what I am doing, Peter. You don't know what my intent is, but later you will understand. The fire of not understanding what the Lord is doing. There's a fire in your life today. You don't know why. You want to pull out of that thing. But God is saying, can you trust me? That I'm still on the throne, that I'm in control? It's a hard thing to do. See how Peter responded to this fire. No, Peter said, you'll never wash my feet, Lord. I need to know what you want to do right now. I need the answer now. Not two weeks from now. Not a month from now. Tell me the end of the story now. I want to know up front. You're not washing my feet, Lord. And then Jesus looks at him and says, But Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And then, she, and then right away, Peter changed his tune and he said, Lord, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. If it, I, I'll allow you to do this. I don't need to know what you're doing right now. I can go into this fire of unknown revelation without understanding what you're doing and allow you to work in my life. That's what we need to say. It's not easy to do, though. Remember Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. And they both had a real fire, didn't they? Can you imagine taking your, one of your sons or daughters and being asked to sacrifice them? And having to go on two days journey knowing that's what God wanted you to do? And then Isaac got to the point where, where uh, Abraham had to tell him what, what he was doing. Uh, well, Dad, do we have a lamb or a ram for the sacrifice? No, son. Uh, well, will the Lord provide it when we get there? Um, not exactly, son. Well, Dad, what's going on? Well, son, you're the sacrifice. Would take a real trust, wouldn't it, by that son to say, okay, I'm the sacrifice. I don't understand, but I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. And the last one. 
Isaiah 48.10, I have trusted you in the furnace of affliction. You mean, Lord, I, I might experience a little pain in this body here? Isn't physical affliction and, and, and a bodily sickness from the devil? Well, perhaps God is calling you to walk some in your life the way of Job, who experienced quite a bit of pain in his body. God may choose to use affliction, and I believe he's afflicted this country in a way that you might more earnestly seek him. Luke 22:44 even Christ himself said and being in great agony he prayed or it says about Christ in being in great agony in a garden prayed more earnestly now's the hour for more earnest prayer if you're afflicted perhaps God wants to seek wants you to seek him more earnestly physical affliction sometimes God uses us to bring us back to obedience doesn't he Nothing like the fire of physical affliction where you just flat out on your bed and you can't do anything else and then maybe God comes to you and says, Now, will you hear what I have to say? Now, will you do what I want you to do? Psalm 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Well, what does affliction do? It begins to soften your heart. And some of you here today can probably think of somebody that you know, maybe an unsaved person who's been afflicted in their body, and it's begun to soften their heart. And sometimes even us Christians, we and I know I've been here myself, we stand or we go through beautiful worship services or we hear the Word of God preached over and over again, but it just doesn't have that same effect on us, and we become gospel-hardened. And... God may have to get our attention through affliction. God may have to get your attention through affliction. And I just feel like today, maybe some of you need to heed that warning. Maybe God, and I'm not trying to curse you or, or say anything. God does love you, but maybe, I hope not, that He doesn't have to get your attention that way. Sometimes affliction will, will just get a person to the point of where they just said, Lord, I'm giving it all up. I'm just ready to go home with you. I don't care anything more about this world. I just want to go home to be with you. Um, so that's the fire of God this morning. And I just want to read you a little story and then read a scripture. This story uh, someone sent me on the internet, it says, Is your hut burning? The only survivor of a shipwreck was washed up on a small uninhabited island. He prayed fervently for God to rescue him. And every day he scanned the horizon for help, but none seemed forthcoming. Exhausted, he eventually managed to build a little hut out of driftwood to protect him from the elements and to store his possessions. But then one day, after scavenging for food, he arrived home to find his little hut in flames. The smoke was rolling up to the sky. The worst had happened. Everything was lost. He was stunned with grief and anger. God, how could you do this to me? He cried. Early the next day, however, he was awakened by the sound of a ship approaching the island. It had come to rescue him. How did you know I was here? Asked the weary man of his rescuers. We saw your smoke signal, they replied. It is easy to get discouraged when things are going bad, but we should never lose heart. 
Because God is at work in our lives, even in the midst of pain and suffering, even in the midst of your fires. One of my favorite scriptures, I they asked me uh, kind of on the spur of the moment to talk at a service down at work, and I just didn't know what to read, but this scripture came to my heart. And I think it applies to the message and applies to what we've been through this week. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-11. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but never in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. If you're going through a fire today, take heart. Jesus sees that. He has a purpose in it. Amen. Thank you, Brother Matt, for feeding us, encouraging us. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Geib. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of The Kingdom Corner.